Thank you so much for joining us today. God wants to use people like you to help build his kingdom. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to serve in the local church. If you want to get involved with College Park Church, visit collegeparkchurch.org and click on Get Involved. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org to choose the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Are y'all ready? Seatbelt strapped in? Here we go. Um, the, the, the purpose of this, again, like I said earlier, for those of you um, who are listening and for those of you watching online, is to be able to help guide you through Scripture. Um, I want to give you three filters that, I, that, that I've been using over the years, three filters that I give the men that I mentor here at the church, and three filters that I give people who lack understanding and have spent hours on. Um, again, I won't be able to give you everything because I'm only going to be here for like 45 minutes. Some, some of the people I mentor has been going on six months or, and longer. But I want to give you a start, an introduction to where to go um, and how to do this. Um, someone shout three filters. The three filters that I used when it comes to Scripture are, are as follows. No order. But number one is absolute truth. Number two, cultural standards. Number one, personal conviction. What are absolute truths? Absolute truths are laws that are timeless. Doesn't matter if it's in United States, you go to France, Australia, or Greece, Asia, Timbuktu. These are laws that are absolute truths. They cross cultural divides. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit murder. Are you following me? They're absolute truths. Wherever you go, everyone knows these laws to be absolute wherever you go. Biblical mandates, for, for instance. In Exodus 20, we see these absolute truths come out. God gives the Ten Commandments, or God gives the commandments to Moses on the mountain. He comes down. He destroys the, he destroys, uh, the two tablets made of stone. And in Exodus 34, verses 27 through 28, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, we see God call Moses back up to another mountain to, for Moses to cut or chisel two stone tablets out. And there, for 40 days, Moses doesn't eat anything. Moses doesn't drink anything. He fasts for 40 days, spends 40 days eating, not eating and not drinking with the Lord, going over the commands that God is wanting to give to Moses that Moses is supposed to give to the people. And out of those 10 commandments, two that we actually hear God speak to Moses, two that are actually communicated to God's people, 611 are man-made by other people. No, formerly known as the law of Moses, but not given or known as the law of God. You must understand this point right here. Someone shout absolute truths. There are absolute truths, but then there are cultural standards. Cultural standards are things that only that culture does. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 6, where in certain cultures, women are supposed to keep their heads covered. When my when my sister studied abroad, um, she went to, when she went to um, Australia, um, when one of my friends went to France uh, to study abroad there, it freaked them out. It freaked her out as well that when they would be, when they would, when the family would get together during dinner time, the families that they were staying with, that they would have wine glasses all around the dinner table. And during that time, they would pour, but they would only fill like tenth of the cup. And there is an 11-year-old drinking wine but in moderation and in excess like America's used to. Because where they were, it was a cultural standard. Now, in America, if you give an 11-year-old wine, DSS is going to be coming knocking at your door. Whether you're black or Asian like me, well, I look, I look Middle Eastern. They'll probably think I'm, you know, I'm Al-Qaeda, you know, weapons of mass destruction other than just feeding my kid or letting my son or my daughter drink a tenth of wine. It's a cultural standard. What one cultural standard might be in one city or in one country is not the same in others. So the number one was what? Absolute truth. Number two? But here, here's the third one, and this is huge, personal convictions. There are absolute truths, there are cultural standards, but then there are personal convictions. We see, this, we see this vividly communicated in Acts chapter 9, or Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. 
Peter, Peter is, Peter went up to the roof to pray, and as he goes up to the roof to pray, the Bible says that he got hungry, and then as the food is preparing, he's, he's caught in a trance, caught in a dream, and God, sh- and God shows him all these, all these unclean meats and starts showing him all, all, all these spotted animals, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord says to him, eat. Three times in the dream, God tells him to eat. And Peter says, I can't eat what's unclean and impure. But he had a personal conviction in this moment. Even though absolute truth during the time that he grew up, what we know to be a cultural standard in Jewish community, in Jewish culture, God gives him a personal conviction, you can eat this stuff. Don't call what I've called clean unclean. Don't call impure what I have made pure. Read it for yourself. I hope you're taking notes. Don't take my word for it. I want you to read it for yourself. Are you hearing me this morning? And so there are things. See, how many of you grew up crazy, charismatic, Pentecostal? You see, for us, we grew up. I mean, I'll talk for about myself. You know, I could talk about my mom, but no one else can type conversation. Could we have that this morning? Is that okay? I grew up where you couldn't go to the drive-in movie theaters. You couldn't go bowling. You couldn't go anywhere they sold alcohol. And so you couldn't go to Applebee's. You couldn't couldn't go to the local movie theater. Some of you are smiling because you know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? It wasn't just Charismatics or Baptists. There was Holiness. There There were Methodists who believed the exact same thing. Why? Because... God gave them a personal conviction, but they made that personal conviction in absolute truth. They met well. They communicated it wrong, wrongly. Because some of the truths that they made, I mean, can we be honest? I mean, they're really good, really good laws to live by. I mean, I, I tell people a lot. I don't, I don't go watch rated R movies. It's personal conviction. Now, I, don't get, I don't get mad at people who go and do it. It's just me. I just don't. Why? Because every time someone comes to me and says, Pastor Mark, you want to go to a movie? I ask them, is it rated R? They're like, yeah, I don't want to go. Because 9 out of 10, 9.9 out of 10 times when there's a rated R movie, there's always some nude scene. There's always some crazy, you can just take it to the bank. There's always going to be some type of, guess what? I don't want to deal with that sexual seed because it's a weakness within me. And so I'm not going to allow anything, I'm not going to give access to the enemy to throw any kind of seed in order to destroy the word of God that's happening or growing within me. That's personal conviction, though. I mean, that, I, and so when, when, when I'm mentoring men, when I'm mentoring whoever, I tell them, you know what, they're, they're, they're like, is it, 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 am I a sinner for going to a rated R movie? Not necessarily. You see, I'll give you another personal conviction. I don't drink alcohol. Now, will you go to hell for drinking the Corona or drinking a glass of wine? No, you won't. Boy, it's getting really quiet in the house today. It's getting really quiet. But why, why, Pastor Mark, well, you don't drink it. Shouldn't we just, no, we, we need to put it in its proper place. It's not an absolute truth, but it is my personal conviction. Because we're living in a time where the church is being judged so so much. We're living in a time where people get offended so easily. I never thought in my wildest dreams that people would get offended by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all these Christmas songs that are on, that are going on all across America today. Who in the world would have thought this would ever happen in North America? But we're living in a crazy time where people get easily offended to the point where you had a pastor or predominantly megachurch get fired because of an alcohol addiction. Why in the world would I allow my good to be evil spoken of? I care more about God's reputation on my life than I do my own. Because Galatians 2.20 says, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the one who gave his life as a ransom for me. In other words, I'm a dead man walking. I, don't, I shouldn't care about what I want. I shouldn't care about the reputation of my life. Because it's not mine anymore, it's his. And as a pastor, as, as, a, as a person, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, I want my entire lifestyle to be spotless and blameless for him. I remember working at Pizza Hut, and this guy, Jason, 
it would, when I, I gave my life to the Lord at the age of 19. Before that, God, I was, I was so far from God. I loved alcohol. I loved ladies. I loved partying. I graduated um, high school with a 1.2 GPA. Gave my life at the age of 19. Went to college. Graduated magna cum laude into top 10 in my class because God is a God of miracles. He's a way maker. Amen. He can change your mind. He can heal the broken heart. Hello. And so when I gave my life to the Lord, I no longer cussed anymore. Back then, I was a cussing sailor. Like, every three words that came out of my mouth was vulgar, was dark, was, was perverted. And when I gave my life to the Lord, I was like, God, I'll never forget it. When I was in that Sunday school room with Steve Wilson, and I had my burning bush experience. I had my Paul road to Damascus moment with God where God's spirit came in the room and wrecked me. I remember telling God, I'll give you everything. All I want to know is that you really love me and you're not going to be like other people who have abused me and taken advantage of me. And I remember telling God, I'm going to give you the thing that I have the most undisciplined in, most undisciplined place in my life, and that is my mouth. I give it to you, God. And when I did, I never cussed from that moment again. Jason tried his hardest, Charles, to get me to cuss. His birthday would come. Mark, man, for my birthday, would you just cuss one time? Just, just one time. Just do it for me. I'm not, no lie, man. I remember, I remember it, Christmas would come around. Mark, for my Christmas present, don't buy me anything, all right? Just cuss one word. It'll make my day. Back then when I was 19, uh, I, I, I was, my addiction was being weaned off video games. And so we would have Tekken part. Uh, you know, we would play Tekken, this, this game on, um, I think it was PlayStation or Xbox. I can't remember. Um, the other one I was addicted to was Call of Duty. Any Call of Duty freaks out there? Not many. I'm on my own. Okay, a few. I was very addicted. When I gave my life to the Lord, he's like, if you're going to come over and play Call of Duty, you got to say one customer. I'm like, I'm not doing it, man. Fall five, come over. And so one day, I'm cooking pizzas at Pizza Hut. He, Jason walks up to me and says, Mark, where in the Bible does it say you can't, you can't, you can't cuss? Now, I, I understand not to use the Lord's name in vain. I see that. But where in the world does it say in the Bible you can't say the S word or the F word? Come on. Tell me. At that time, I was very narrow-minded. I was very uneducated. I, I, I didn't really know scripture, but I knew, personal, I knew I had some personal conviction. And I told Jason this, Jason, my goal in life right now is to be a youth pastor one day because God spoke something into me. And I told him, I'm going to be a youth pastor one day. And I'm like, Jason, I'm serving at my local church now in the youth ministry. I'm serving in our young adults ministry. If I was to start cussing, would you come in and respect anything I have to say? He goes, and he, and he, cussed, he goes, F no, just smiling. I said, that's the exact reason why I don't cuss. Because I want you to respect everything that comes out of my mouth. And one day, you're going to be there to hear me preach. He said, I respect that answer. And he never asked me one day. He never asked me from that day on. His best friend, who ended up becoming my friend, Nick, crazy guy. I think he had three kids with three separate ladies. Through the process of three to six months, he gave his life to the Lord, came to a Wednesday night, came to our U-Turn Youth Ministries. He gave his life to the Lord, and I followed him up um, in the last two weeks. He's still serving in his local church today. But what would have happened? If I gave personal conviction and maybe a biblical mandate, how many of you have ever read scripture and then, and, and you knew it to be true, but then it was manipulated by someone near you or around you or in your local church? Like I would hear, I would hear scriptures like people say, you know what, I can't really change a person's life. I can't really change, all I can do is pray. That's all I can do. And I'm like, no, you can change their lives. Like, like, like God can save them through you. No, they got to, I know they got to make the commitment, but you can make a crooked pastor. How about the four friends that brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus? The guy was deaf, dumb, and mute. His mom was pretty much gone, had no way of conversating, and they bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus, bust a hole through a roof, lower him down to the floor. You know what Jesus says? He doesn't say, guess what? Rise up and walk. That's not the first thing he says. Read scripture. Be very clear in how you read scripture. He says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Read it for yourself. Because of their faith, he received salvation. 
And then he heard all the junk from all the other people around him. How is it that he can give him eternal? How can it that he can save? How in the world can he do that? Is it better that I save him or that I say, take up your bed and walk? In fact, just to prove the point, take up your bed and walk. He wasn't even planning on healing his crippledness. But because we're living in a time, like Jeremiah 8, verse 8 says, we're living in a time where people are scribbling lies. We're living in a time where churches are making up spoof. In the words of our politician and president, we're living in a day of fake news. And it's residing so much within the local church. I remember it went so crazy as far as this fake news where people took personal convictions, made them biblical mandates to the fact where if you went to the drive-in movie theaters, you would go blind. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. Some of you have no What's a drive-in movie theater? My, my, my son, my, 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 both my sons, I had some CDs as we were cleaning up the house. My son said, what's a CD? I was like, oh, my God, I'm old. Exactly what I said about my parents when it came to A-Tracks. Anybody know what I'm talking about when it comes to A-Track? Some people are like, what is that? They're Googling it right now, you know? A-Track. Siri, what is, what is A-Track? And so we have absolute truths. We have cultural standards. We have personal convictions. And so before we can go into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I want to give you some cultural context. When Paul is talking to the church of Corinth about prophecy, when Paul is talking to the church of Corinth about speaking in tongues and about women being silent in the church, Understand context in order to clearly understand God's word. The church of Corinth back in this time was a population of 700 to 900,000 people. Out of the close to a million people that were in the church of Corinth, two-thirds of them were slaves. Now, there weren't slave, they weren't slaves like we would, that, that, that we know, typically know when it comes to American history. These slaves were not only used for physical labor, but they were actual used, you know what, when it came to sexual favors. And so a slave, whether it be a teenager, an adult, or a slave who, where a kid was given over birth, three to six years old, they were used. They were used. It was common during Roman time that politicians, all had, they all had multiple partners. You, you, would, you would hear stuff and in Greek philosophy, where this nation or this city, they were, they were boy lovers. The problem was they were all boy lovers. One was just very loud about it than the others. One didn't really, one was, one city, would, one city wouldn't be ashamed of it, that they would have sexual relationship with a six-year-old kid, an 11-year-old kid, a four-year-old girl. This was the culture back then. Say cultural standard. Now, in America, we know, that, we know that's not a necessarily a cultural standard. Does that happen? Yes, we understand about human trafficking. We understand that, you know, that, that there's a global epidemic. The Philippines is the number one country in the world for human trafficking right now. In fact, Greenville is one of the top cities in South Carolina for human trafficking right here, right now. But is it a cultural standard? No. But back then, it was. So it was normal for them to have sexual relationships with so many people. And so if you read the book, how many of you read the book of Corinthians? You did your study. One thing you will hear over and over again is a, you would hear Paul address them about sexual lust and sexual immorality and sexual impurity. Because they had a sexual problem because of their entire history of life. That's all they know. That's all they knew. You don't know what you don't know. So that's all they ever knew. And so in the book of Corinthians, you would hear about women, and you would hear about all this stuff, and you would hear about all, about all this chaotic stuff happening because their entire life in the natural was chaotic. Their childhood was chaotic. Their, their young adult life was chaotic. Their adult life was constantly chaotic. And so why do you think in 1 Corinthians 14 that they would operate chaotic in the local church? You want to know something very interesting? You know, Paul only spent 18 months with the church of Corinth. Eight, 18 months is the amount of time that he spent in that city to develop and communicate and preach about salvation, sanctification, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the orders of God's church. 
How many of you have been saved longer than a, um, 18 months? 95%. How many of you have been saved longer than three years? Raise your hand. They only had 18 months going to go from knowing nothing about God, much less the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to now wanting everything that God had for them. It would be there where Paul would preach. It wouldn't be recorded, but it would be recorded in other scriptures that every heavenly blessing is yours. It would be preached to them as far as the people, not recorded in Corinth, but in other chapters and other books or whatever, that there is no limit to God's love and his gifts towards you. And so how amazing would it have been to know that even though my entire life I was a human sex slave, my entire life, I had nothing to know that all with, all, with God, all things are possible. That my life can be turned around. That God can heal my troubled mind. That God can heal my, literally, my broken heart and my broken body. That God can restore purity back again into my life. Can you imagine the miracle that could have been to them? The miracle that, that, they, that, that they heard that day. It was mind-blowing for that culture. And it was mind-blowing for that city. That here Paul would be preaching to a godless people that experienced a godless life and never heard about God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. Some of you, it's taken you 10 to 20 years to get to the place you are in your relationship with God now. Can you imagine what it would have been like with only 18 months? 18 months. Please let that sink in. And so when you understand the context of who Paul, of who Paul was talking to, when you understand the cultural standard that was going around the people that Paul was preaching to, if you can allow that to settle in your mind, then and only then could you understand Scripture clearly. I'll take one scripture in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says women ought to be silent in the local church. And so people have made it to be that women have no voice, no authority right now. Anybody ever heard that? You've ever heard people talk about A lot of people in this place. But then if you read in 1 Corinthians 13, he says you can pray, women can pray and prophesy. The prophet Joel said in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters. But what? Will prophesy. You read all the way down at the end of that prophecy. He says, I will part my spirit on slaves and the women. So is the, does the Bible, is the Bible a lie? Does it contradict itself? No. Understand cultural standards and the context. The women back then were used to using their body for authority and pleasure. They would exchange their body in order for men to have pleasure, in order to take power and authority back then in the church. They were so arrogant because they didn't know better. They lived so chaotic because they didn't know better. And instead of living the cultural trend of having their head covered, not only did they not, they did, not, only did they not have their head covered, they actually shaved their heads bald as a sign of ultimate spit to the authority at that time. Because if you've been abused from six years old till now, why not? If I'm going to get in trouble, I might as well get in trouble. I've always heard people say pastor's kids are the worst kids. You know why they're the, they're the worst kids? It's because the only time mom and dad ever talk to them is when they get in trouble. So that's why they get in trouble. Because when I have undivided time with mom and dad. I've seen this through so many of my friends who grew up in the church, whether deacon's kids or pastor's kids. And it's crazy. It's sickening to, to, for someone to result in it. I remember, I remember when I grew up. I grew up in the church, and I remember there were certain things I could, I got in trouble for everything, things I never did. I was like, if I'm going to get in trouble, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going out with a bang. I mean, I graduated high school with a one-point dude GPA. You know how I felt? I fell by elective credits, too. Not even main classes. Because I would take all three lunches to flirt with all the girls in high school. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Tell the truth, stand the church, I say. And so what ends up happening is, if you, don't, if you don't understand absolute truth, 
If you, don't absolute, if you don't understand the difference between absolute truth, cultural standards, and personal conviction, you'll make everything an absolute law. And the enemy will steal the spoken word of God from you. Women shouldn't speak in church, but if you clearly read scripture, their women had a voice. If you read scripture, the gift of prophecy, the gift of prayer and intercession is upon them. If you read scripture that God is wanting to pour out his spirit on all flesh, he is no respecter of person. What he freely gives one, he freely gives all. Can somebody give God praise? He's no respecter of your past. He's no respecter of your sin. He's no He'll give it to you. It rains on the just and unjust. His blessings pour out on just people and unjust people. His Holy Spirit pours out on just people and unjust people. If he can use Nebuchadnezzar, he can use you. And if he can use Naaman, he can use you. If he can use a donkey, so look, at your, look at your spouse and say, you're a donkey, but he can use you. He can use you. That there isn't something that you have to do in order for him to choose you. You're already called. You're already chosen. I'm a, we're, we're a royal priesthood to those who call upon the name of the Lord and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You, if you have, you are a son and you're a daughter. But easily the enemy will steal that from you if you don't understand how to distinguish scripture with it. And so here is Paul. So are you ready? Are you ready to dive in? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's talk about um, tongues. Let's talk about tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Ah, uh, now you know, let's start with verse one. Verse one, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Go, go to verse one real fast. So I want to break these um, um, down verse by verse. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. What did Paul say eagerly, eagerly desire? But as you eagerly desire, what path should you follow? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second is just the same, love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, he's not talking to a mature group. He's talking to an immature, immature people in the faith. He's talking to 18-month-old babies. Can an 18-month-old baby drive a car? Can an 18-month-old baby get a job? Can an 18-month-old baby eat steak? Can you imagine what that would do to the digestive system of an 18-month-old kid? And over and over and over again, we try to shove stake down 18-month-old people in the faith. Paul understands his target audience. Paul understands the cultural standards of this time. And you know what Paul does? He puts them in their proper place for learning and growing to be mature in the faith. Are you with me right now? And so he says, before we talk about tongues, before we talk about prophecy, follow in the path of love. Follow in the path of what? Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, not just prophecy, but eagerly desire the gifts. Verse two, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Just for those of you who freak out when you hear tongues, this, um, this scripture or the New Testament was written in Greek. Tongues actually means language. So what Paul is actually saying is, for anyone who speaks in a language, in this case, a heavenly language, a spiritual language, a supernatural language, does not speak to people but to who? This is very key to understand the difference between personal convictions and biblical mandates or absolute truths. Because here's, here's the deal. Speaking in tongues is for what? Speaking to who? It's not speaking to men or people. Speaking in tongues is for you to speak to God. It's not for you to speak to people. Speaking in tongues is not for you to speak to people, but it's for you to speak to who? This is key. Because I live my life understanding and being exposed to speaking in tongues and prophecy differently. When I grew up crazy charismatic Pentecostal, you know how speaking in tongues and prophecy went? You know, it was pr pretty much toward, you know, towards the end of worship, a slow song. Worship would get real quiet, and then someone would get really loud. They'll start speaking in tongues, 
And then, and then what would happen, what would follow next? They would stop speaking in tongues. Sister Lois or my mom would stop speaking in tongues. Get real eerie and weird. Everyone's, I mean, you can hear a pin drop. You can hear a silent fart. It's that quiet. And what ends up happening is, sister or brother so-and-so comes and speaks the word, thus saith the Lord. First of all, God ain't, he don't speak in King James. But for some odd reason, he always spoke in King James. I don't know why. And again, I'm not trying to be just, I, I, I just want to give clear context. But when the word would come out, it wasn't to God anymore, it was to men. When scripture says it's not to men, but it's to who? Speaking in tongues isn't to who? But it's to who? Speaking in tongues isn't to who? But it's to who? It doesn't go forward, it goes upward. It goes upward. It's a heavenly language that I speak to my Father. It's a supernatural language of communication to heaven. It is heaven's language. Why wouldn't I want to speak in my heavenly language or my heavenly tongue? Why wouldn't I want to have direct access to the throne of God? Why wouldn't I want that gift? But there is an order to gifts. If you were to actually see my kids' Christmas list and all the gifts they want, they essentially want the world. But there's an order to how many gifts I give them every year. You know, my wife and I, um, a while ago, um, August, September, when we, were, when we were going through my mom's stuff, we found out the importance of a will. The importance of a will. My mom, she didn't have a will, and so it is, it, it's been crazy going through everything. When I talk to people who have gone through this stuff, it's a nightmare if you don't have a will. But the purpose of a will is a declaration of what is to be given to the people when you're gone. And so in the will, you know, we're gonna, my wife and I, if we were to pass away, my kids get everything. My daughter wants my infinity so bad. She's like, Dad, I love this car, but baby girl, you ain't getting it yet. You're only seven years old. Seven, right? God, I want her to be seven years old. She's eight years old. She wants, she wants to drive daddy's car. She's like, Daddy, it's so pretty. I want this car. But guess what? You're not mature yet. You don't understand the rules, the rules of the law of driving yet. You're not, first of all, you're not even tall enough to see over the car yet. And if you get it at being 18 months or eight years old, you're going to die using it. So right now, yes, it's an amazing gift. It's going to be an amazing gift. But in the season and time you're in, it's dangerous. In the season and time you're in, man, you can kill yourself over it. And so he, again, he's not talking to mature believers. He's talking to the, 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 the oldest person of faith is 18 months. The youngest person of faith is probably a week old. And remember, these people have never heard of God, the Holy Spirit, sanctification, holiness at all. And so he's putting proper, a proper level of graduating from kindergarten to middle school to high school to get his the college diploma when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. And so he's talking to people who are elementary in the faith. But we who are undiscerned when it comes to absolute truths, cultural standards, and personal conviction, we got people who are 40 years old who aren't driving their infinity, who aren't driving their Bentley. There is a gift that is so valuable at your disposal, but you're like, no, 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 God doesn't want that for me. The devil is alive. Get in your spiritual car and drive. Use the tools that are at your disposal to fight the good fight of faith. Pick up the instrument, the gift that he has, and watch God. See, man, where's Mason at? Is Mason, Mason in the back helping? Mason, stand up for me, man. Where are you at? Come, come here, man. The lights are blind. I can't really see anything. Looks like I'm talking to angels. Everything's bl um, blinding me bright. Where, where's your bass guitar, man? Go get it for me. See, Mason has a guitar. Christian plays the drums. Pastor Chad tickles the ivory. Do we, have any, do we have any people 
who play the trumpet, trombone, anything like that. All right. You can have the most expensive, most valuable instrument at your disposal. But this thing is nothing if it's not played. It does nothing, does no good if it's not used. So you can have the most expensive Fender Strat American guitar. You can have the most expensive, I don't know what the most expensive piano is or the most expensive drum set or whatever, Evans. Is that a brand? I don't even know. That's, that's how much of a noob I am when it comes to drums and percussion. But this does you nothing if it's not used. Do you realize you are an instrument of the Holy Spirit? Someone shout, I am an instrument of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to use you if you make yourself vulnerable to him. But he'll never play that great, that great, uh, uh, Scott, what did you call? You said you're going to give me an extra what on the guitar? You're going to give me an extra lick. You're never going to play the lick that the Holy Spirit wants to give you until you allow it to be held in its hands. If the Holy Spirit does not have access to you, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to have access to your mind, access to your tongue, access to your mouth, access to your life, then he can't come in and play that sound to give you that sound. Someone shout the sound. God wants to give you a new sound. God wants to give you a new look. God wants to give you a new perspective of life. But if you don't submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, how can he give you a new lick, man? And so he says, tongues, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will not only speak to God, you only speak to God, but you don't speak to men. Verse 1, go back to verse 1. Follow the way of love, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them for the utter mysteries by the Spirit. Verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. This is very key. We saw this. I saw this happen four weeks ago. A new, a new person came to our church, sat right over here. On, would be, it would be your right side, my left side, sat on the front row. A leader of our church, when we had time of prayer, came up to this person who grew up fundamental. I can't remember if they said fundamental Baptist. I had too many meetings this week. Comes up to this person and says, Holy Spirit said, you're contemplating on leaving your wife. He says, yep, you got my attention now. <laughs> I met with this guy this week. He told, me, he told me the story this week. I asked him, I was like, so-and-so, out of curiosity, why are you making College Park Church your home? Because I know your background. And I know College Park is completely different from what you were raised in. I was like, what, what sold you to the fact he, I was sitting in service, and I saw everything happening, and I thought y'all were weird. That's what he said. I thought y'all were weird. But so-and-so came to me and, and prophesied and said, you're contemplating on leaving your wife. I made a commitment last week I was leaving my wife. And I said, God, if, there's, if you're real, speak to me. He said he gave his life to the Lord. And he's restoring everything with his wife. Because speaking in tongues, the Bible says, edifies a person. But prophecy edifies the people. And my God, it not only edified his life, but it edified his entire household. Come on, somebody. But prophecy is not meant to encourage you as mature believers. Speaking in tongues does. Speaking in tongues does. Paul said, I wish that all of you would speak in tongues. But moreover, I wish you all do the most important thing, that is prophecy. He's not saying prophecy is more important than speaking in tongues, but he is saying it's more important than speaking in tongues in the season you're in. Because you're young and immature, you're babies. You can't drive the infinity. You can't drive the infinity. You can't drive the car. You can't get your license. Right? Are you following me? Don't worry, don't worry, don't, don't worry about the, anything. Track with me this morning, okay? Are y'all with me? Yeah. And so what ends up happening is the enemy tries 
to throw all these distractions inside your life because of lack of understanding? There's nothing to fear. I tell people all the time who don't understand about the power of the Holy Spirit, just stay with us long enough. Why do you say that? Because that's exactly what Jesus said. Terry, here just for a little while, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you as well. Terry, here for a little bit. Just stay with us a little bit, and you'll come to the understanding and revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit. But if the disciples didn't wait there long enough, if the disciples didn't tarry there long enough, they wouldn't have got it. They would have had a lack of understanding. They would have, had, they would have never had revelation. They would never experience the power come upon them because they didn't tarry long enough there to pray and seek the understanding, more importantly, the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that in verse 2, but, if, but in verse 4 it says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But in verse 5 it says, if you wish, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but speaking in tongues is only great if there's an interpretation. And so, Pastor Mark, I, you know, there has to be an interpretation. Yes, there needs to be an interpretation. Not to you, but to understand what people are saying to God. Prove that. I'll prove it to you. Are you ready? First Corinthians, um, let's go back to Acts chapter 2, where it all started. Are y'all ready? Acts chapter 2. Well, let's go to verse, can we go, let's go to verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, newsflash about Pentecost. I don't want to preach to you right now. This is very hard because I want to shout, scream, and spit right here. Pentecost is not the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is a day of feast. Understand that. And so you'll have people who operate in the Holy Spirit say, I'm Pentecostal. You eat a lot? <laughs> day of feast? That's <laughs> what it really means in essence, right? I, 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 I want you to be educated. I'm not trying to demean or devalue. I want you to be educated and to understand Scripture because the enemy is stealing people. The enemy is killing people. The enemy is destroying people. What God's word really is. I had some, we, we, had, we had a couple leave last week or two, three weeks ago because they don't understand the, that, that young girl was speaking in tongues on stage and I don't believe that. Every time, every time someone speaks in tongues, there needs to be interpretation. What their meaning was, because of their religion, there needs to be a word that comes to the church. When you speak in tongues, who is it for? Who is it not for? And so in Acts chapter 2, where it all started, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were. Are we going? Where they were sitting. Verse 3. Verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. Why were they staying there? Because of the day of Pentecost. Because it was Jewish tradition that people would come from all the cities and come and feast in Jerusalem. That's why they were there. They weren't there just by, ha uh, by happenstance or accident. They were there because the Pentecost was a day of what? Feast and eating. Now they were standing in Jerusalem. God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Verse 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter who were astonished at the gift of the Holy Spirit. Y'all skipped a ton of scriptures, man. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1 through 3, going to verse 7. We're going ahead in verse chapter 10. Verse 4, go to verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Go to verse 7. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Go to the rest of the scriptures. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? 
Corinthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews, converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God. What do they hear them speaking in tongues doing? They're not giving a command to the people. But they're hearing them interpret their praises to God. Verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? To which I want to give definition. I want to give clarity to all of you. What does this mean, speaking in tongues? To read on for the sake of time, we don't have much time left. Speaking in tongues is about praising God. If you read on in verse 14, in chapter 14, he also says it's also a form of prayer. Speaking in tongues. But how many of us have lived our lives thinking speaking in tongues is something else because it was written by scribes who lied? Like Jeremiah 8:18. So we're living in a time where people don't even care for the Holy Spirit. You might, this might be your first time coming. You, you don't even you don't even want to hear about the Holy Spirit because the enemy doesn't want you to know how powerful it is, how powerful he is, how much you can accomplish with him, how many walls can fall down right now, how the chains can be broken off your life right now, how you can go from living in fear because of things that have died in your life. But in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit can come down like a sound of a mighty rushing wind and fill your entire life, your mind, your soul, and transform you from the inside out and give you a strength, give you a peace, give you an understanding, give you strength to keep walking when everybody else seems like they're dying, to give you strength. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 through 27, Paul writes, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he searches our heart, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the Word of God. How many of you have ever lived life in your faith so weak? How many of you have ever lived life broken, busted, and disgusted for so long? The Bible says if you pray in the Holy Spirit, you don't have to know the words. You don't have to know what to say. But you activate the gift of the Holy Spirit. Heaven will move on your behalf. It'll change the atmosphere in whatever place you're in. It'll make people come to all as far as the power of God in your life. It'll perplex the unbeliever. And it will mature the believer to a greater understanding when it comes to the walk of faith for the Lord in this life. We'll talk more about prophecy. We'll talk more about women in ministry in the next following weeks as far as how to. But the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 14, or the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, is not an absolute law of how the Holy Spirit is supposed to walk in your life. That's how it's supposed to operate as a baby. That's not how it's supposed to operate in maturity. So what is the difference between speaking in tongues in Corinth and speaking in tongues in College Park Church? Let's really go there this morning. You're not 18-month-old babies. And I refuse to treat an 18-year-old in the faith as an 18-year-old infant. But I'm going to spurge you on in the things of God. I want to push you towards the calling that God has on you. I want to see you live a full life just like Judah, Gavin, and Gracie, my kids. I want to see them to be successful. I want to see them to be an overcomer. I want to see them experience every heavenly blessing on earth in every area of their life. I want them to live a life of no fear, but of boldness and courage. 
I want them to live a life beyond measure. Live a life greater than mom and dad have ever lived. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the natural? But God wants to do that in the supernatural right here and right now in your life. He wants to do a supernatural work to your husband. He wants to do a supernatural work to your kids. He wants to do a supernatural work. And some of you, that you are so broken. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. If you have the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll pray for you. He'll intercede for you. He'll empower you. He'll spur you on. It's more than a King James declaration. It's more than a feeling of goosebumps on my arm. He makes the crooked path straight. He brings clarity to the confusion. He brings peace to the troubled mind. He reveals all the religion and all the religious doctrine in your life. And he brings you back to life. You don't have to live in pain of the past. You don't have to live in pain of what the church has done. What they tried to do, what they meant well but did wrong. But you can come to a fullness and knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And so right now, this is what we're going to do. I just feel the strong in my spirit right now. I need all of those who have been, who've been given an authority to operate in the prophetic. I need you to come down right now. All of y'all to come down right now. That I've talked with, I need you to come. Just line up here. This is what we're going to do this morning. Have some, two of y'all come over here. Two of y'all to come over here. Y'all are all awesome. Thank you. I'm trying to obey. This is what I want us to do. This is what I want us to do because this is what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. That there are some of you, you don't know what to pray. You don't know what to say. But you are about to experience an acceleration of the Holy Spirit this morning. God released me to give this word to you. He gave me a word prior the weekend before Thanksgiving, leading up to youth youth conference. And I, I was reading, I was reading the whole all the stories about Elijah and Elisha. And the Holy Spirit said to me clearly, "You will not start where other people started, but you will start where other people ended." And like it was with Elisha disciple of Elijah you will take up a mantle of my gift and my spirit and I will use you to pour this out on your church I was like God it's not my church College Park is for now I was like what do you mean for now because there's so much more and I remember just being in my bedroom just crying before God because in the last three years, do you realize the scrutiny that we've, that we've dealt and battled against in this church? Tongue talkers, those crazy holy rollers, those loud mouths, those weird, eerie people. You know what happens? I don't hate on them, Charles. I love them. You know, what, you know what's amazing? Some of them are back in church right now. They're back in church right now. Because they tarried long enough. And they experienced their own personal encounter with him. And it's amazing watching people walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Not walk in the power of a church. Not walk in the power of a law. Not walk in the power of a doctrine. Not walk in the, but walk in the name of God Almighty on earth. There's nothing like it. So this morning, God, Holy Spirit said, reveal it. That I, starting then, Going into all of 2019, there's going to be a spirit that I'm going to release on you that's going to be a spirit of acceleration. Where you're, I'm speaking to the people where you have argued about your relationship with God because you look at your mom and dad and you say, I'm never going to be like them. I can never be them. God says, you're right. You're going to be so much more and I'm going to accelerate you. I'm going to shift you. I'm going to transition you. You are going to know me. You're going to know my heart. And you're going to know my ways. 
It will be like it was with Moses and me, where you will know my ways. They know my words. You know my ways. I'm speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit right now. And you're saying, I want to know the ways of the Holy Spirit. But I don't know, and I don't have the words to say when I pray, when it comes to stepping out and operating in the supernatural. When it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit and the good things of what the Scripture says, what Paul writes about, and you're saying, I want to know them. I want to encounter them. I want to experience them, not through the laying hands of a pastor, but through the outpouring of His Spirit right here and right now. God are the days of celebrity pastors where God is not going to pour out His Spirit on a pastor. God's going to pour out His Spirit on a church. God's going to pour out His Spirit on an army who are going to operate in the giftings that a church isn't going to be known for one man. A church is going to be known through God's Spirit operating thoroughly. And I don't care how many people don't understand. We're going to pioneer this movement. We're going to pioneer this wave of God's presence on this earth. And we're going to see God's kingdom come. His will be done. Unadulterated. We're not going to be Jeremiah 8, 8, scribbling lies. Because we see all these people getting there fast. Nope. On your timing. Your way. Whatever you say, not what I see. I don't live by sight. I live by your word. You speak to me. And this morning, you're saying, I need a word from God. I'm broken, and I am in pain, and I am confused. Or maybe you're saying, I don't know. Or maybe you're saying, my mind, my mind's so cloudy, but I need someone to agree with me. These are people who have been called in the area of the prophetic, called in the area of this gifting, called in the area of speaking into your life and you're saying I need God to speak to me and I don't know if that is you would you stand to your feet and would you come down and pray with one of these people in order for your life to accelerate in the things of God in fact right now would you just stand to your feet stand to your feet all across this place I said earlier when we speak in our heavenly language it's for this purpose and this purpose alone it goes to God it goes to who? It goes to who? The church of Corinth was a, a baby was a baby church. The church of Corinth was an immature church. The church of Corinth was an uneducated church of God's ways and God's laws. But not us. I said not us. The, the thing about speaking in tongues, it creates a supernatural atmosphere because it is, it is a supernatural gift. And the reason why... We're not a church of Corinth, we're the church of College Park. And the reason why we push speaking in tongues, the reason why we push this gift isn't to get weird and eerie, but it's to create a supernatural environment in this place. It, create, it creates a place where God comes down because people have trusted to obey God's spirit without their reputation, without people's acknowledgement, without what people think. They have denied themselves they're carrying their cross, and they're following Jesus. Galatians 2.20 has been tattooed to their soul. I'm dead. I'm no longer walking. I no longer care what people think. I no longer care for what people want. All I care is for the heart of God to be activated in and through my life. And so you're trying, you're, you think you need a book to overcome your fear. You think you need some natural counselor to speak a breakthrough over your life. No, you need an Acts 2 moment. Tongues of fire fall into that place where I once you saw a dream like Jesus died. I once you thought you saw the hope that would take out Rome die. But in Acts 2, God does a new thing. He pours out new wine because you have opened yourself to be a new white skin and allow God to pour in. I don't care what it looks like and I don't care what it sounds like. All I want, Holy Spirit, come now. Someone shout, if you believe this and you want this, someone shout, Holy Spirit, come now. I need you to say it loud and I need you to declare it now. Holy Spirit, come now. You need to rage war against your flesh, against your mind and your will, and allow the Holy Spirit 
to take control. You're not going to lose control. He's going to take control. You're not going to be weird. You're going to be a winner and overcomer right here, right now. And you're saying, I need the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I need those of you right now who have your heavenly language to activate your language right here. And right now, we need to create an atmosphere. An atmosphere I don't understand. Just tarry here a little while. Just tarry here a little while. Just tarry here a little while. God, we create an atmosphere in this place. We create an atmosphere right now. I don't care what people think, and I don't care. God, all I care about is your presence. Accelerate their understanding. Accelerate their knowledge. Accelerate revelation right here and right now. In fact, now, be activated. Go. Be released. 